I'm Gigi Johnson, and this is Amplify Music Conversations, where we captured the voices and music panels from the Amplify Music 2021 virtual conference. Over the course of the panels, you'll hear more than 100 panelists from a wide variety of cities and countries, each working in their local communities to recover from the challenges and changes of the pandemic. You'll hear about new community models, collaborations, and ways of organizing, each recovering and transforming their own music environment. Hello, I am so glad to be moderating, and not even moderating, coercing, coordinating, uh, working with this fine group of people, looking at um, the role of music in future civil society. And, And I'd love my panelists here to introduce themselves because each of them has had a journey to get here in looking at a lot of this. And if I can get Kevin to start out, because in many ways, Kevin's work at the Future of Music Coalition is what in in many ways got my brain looking at some of this stuff quite a while ago, looking at music's role. Kevin, can you introduce yourself and your adventures? Sure. Um, Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, yeah, so Future of Music Coalition is a nonprofit based in D.C. Um, for 20 years now. Um, I've been with the organization for um, just about nine. Um, and we work at the where music touches uh, in federal public policy. We do research and education and advocacy work for musicians on the full range of uh, issues that impact their lives and livelihoods. Sometimes that's things like copyright and licensing. Sometimes it's things like arts funding. Sometimes it's health insurance. This year, it's been a lot of COVID relief efforts and looking at um, unemployment benefits and how to make sure that um, musicians' uh, needs as individual workers are respected. Um, but we try to take a broad view of all of these issues. And you guys, I was thinking your 2012 study, which is one of the first ones I'd seen with more than 5,000 artists trying to take a look at what their livelihoods actually were. And we're still wrestling with this today is the, how do we understand the roles of music and musicians? Um, Was that a mountain to climb back then? Well, it's, it's, there are so many data gaps. There's so much information where there is no centralized data set that captures the full diversity of practice. Musicians are just such a a diverse population and it's very difficult to design research research work that catches all of them. Even the federal statistics that we have miss big parts of that population. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like we, our our 2012, I believe is is online right now. We're going through some web um, upgrades, so it might not be here today, but you can always find it at money.futureofmusic.org. But we did that in 2012 and we designed that survey as a a longitudinal thing that we'd be able to replicate every five years. But it's such a big endeavor that we actually haven't been able to replicate it yet. So if anybody knows like a philanthropist who's ready to write a big check, (laughs) love to do it again. I think we're all seeking our philanthropists, which I think is some of our (laughs) ongoing themes. Diana, I met Diana when she was doing heavy lifting here in Los Angeles. So Diana, I I think we were at somebody's offices where you had to buzz in and sign in and that we're trying to bring together the conversations of the Los Angeles Nightlife Alliance. And then you had this fabulous opportunity that swept you off to then working with Vibe Lab. Can you... Can you introduce yourself better than that? But also, you've been trying to connect a lot of these dots already about music and the bigger picture. Thank you, Gigi. And I'm I'm really happy that even though we're 
far apart geographically, um, we can still be together and in conversation. So um, I'm Diana Razelis. I have spent the last year and a half or so as a research fellow with the Alexander von Humboldt Foundation, which, as Gigi mentioned, was the aforementioned beautiful opportunity to go and study nightlife policy at sort of one of in, some, in one of the cities that has done it for the longest um, with Berlin Club Commission and also with Vibe Lab. And so um, the, the pandemic was a bit of an unforeseen, um, but for the past year or so, I've been working um, with Vibe Lab and with a number of collaborators all around the world on the Global Nighttime Recovery Plan, um, which has been a rolling collaborative chapter by chapter release discussing and diving deep into different topics that cities and nightlife scenes and music scenes around the world are all sort of collectively facing as we move towards reopening and rethinking um, in, in different models of support. And prior to that, I know, I know. Um, and prior to that, I, I have a background in kind of varied in community organizing um, and leadership development as a theater director in Chicago, developing new plays um, and, and certainly bringing all of that to bear as we all figure out exactly what this field is and, and kind of invent it together. And if you ever need someone to herd cats of creative artists in a physical room, Diana really rocks. Watching her is like magic. It's really, I, I wish I had that superpower. I, I have all sorts of other bad habits in that regard, but great to watch your work. Now, Laura and I met through the House of Blues Foundation work in actually spending lots of time pre-pandemic sitting on Zoom calls before we were doing Zoom calls to talk about the big systemic problems under the hood on equity, inclusion, and the, the bizarre ecosystem of internships where students have to pay to be an intern to work for free and trying to figure out how to detangle that for the music industry. Laura, I, I know that's my highly simplified conversations we were having, but uh, can you introduce yourself and the kind of, of work you've been doing to take a look at music plus other things? Yeah, thanks, Gigi. We were cool before it was cool, right? We were Zooming before everybody else. Um, and I've loved our really long conversations on this. So, um, you know, being the director of education at Music Forward Foundation, part of the Live Nation and House of Blues family, as a nonprofit, we sit in this really unique space, right, that provides us access to the industry that we're seeking to diversify, and we have um, our community relationships. So we work with schools and nonprofits and being that connector, that bridge that brings it all together and creates a, an industry that's representative of our communities, of our culture. And so um, we've really been working hard to get the industry to feel comfortable working with that population and getting young people in a place where they can advocate and also actually enter. So coming into the room, feeling fully prepared and having a competitive space that places the best individuals um, and, and into the roles that we need to be ha to have leaders that understand that they always have to be looking back and, and lifting up as, as they go so that we can have this equitable space that I dream of and, and create partnerships and conversations uh, to, to get there. This panel is to talk about where we're going in music's connection to things. And, and I wanted, I guess, and I didn't warn you guys about this thought, but there's um, a really good, fairly recent book that's out of uh, somebody connected with the RSA out of the UK about super communities. By the fact that we can't, we, we tend to organize and ritualize around government stations and profits and nonprofits, et cetera. 
what are you guys seeing as the uh, as sort of the the networked ecosystem we have to have for music to be connected in to this new not new normal as someone said earlier the next normal are there pieces of this we're missing do we need to recognize the fact that this all is threaded together uh anything that you guys are seeing or dreaming about in terms of network or super communities connecting all this together i mean i think the dream right is that everyone understands you know if you if you want diversity, equity, and inclusion. You have to look at all the things that have to fall into place in order for that to happen where you are. And so being able to understand that value and create opportunities, dollars, right? If we're looking at certain communities and we're looking at this greater partnership of community, invest back into the community, create spaces for music making, create spaces for exploring opportunity, create spaces that at the end of the day, serves the industry that we're looking to affect, right? And understanding that you have to be part of the process and what it looks like to be present and what it looks like to actively participate and not feel like it's a burden, right? Like that's the other part of it. It's just, everybody's busy. Everybody has their goals. So how do we get everyone to collectively into a space that we we have that perspective um, that allows us to, make it like breathing. This is just how we do it. This is just how we move individuals through the community. And this is how we allocate our dollars. And this is how we create our policies so that we're, we're doing it like we're breathing and drinking water. I, I was, I've been thinking a little bit because I always feel this sense of a bit of a Venn diagram. And Gigi, I think you mentioned this in, in one of the intros that, you know, music and nightlife, there's a lot of overlap, but there are also different issues. And I, I imagine that for all of us here, that there's a sense of that sort of Venn diagram of maybe music and education or music policy and so on. Um, and so I think there's so much power also in what definition is, is written down, is shared, is discussed, or what sort of manifesto or vision is at the core of any of these communal efforts. Um, because sometimes I do look at culture surveys or policy documents, and it doesn't include you know, drag shows as part of music and performance and performance art, or it doesn't include events that are taking place in nightclubs. And so this continuing to think about, I like this word of this super community. I'm excited to look this up. Um, thinking about these big tents that we create and, and being very intentional with the language that we're convening community around. Yeah. Well, so I think, you know, looking at this through the policy perspective, in policy, there's this notion of the public interest and how we collectively define the public interest in public policy then is helpful for understanding how music fits into that. And unfortunately, a lot of the times our understanding of what defines the public interest in public policy is, is far too narrow and isn't focused on community needs. Like that's the shift that needs to happen. So if I can give you my standard soapbox rant on this really quickly... The, in antitrust policy, which we've been working on a lot lately, there's this predominant school of thought that defines the public interest through the lens of what they call consumer welfare. Like music, music or anything else is a product or a commodity. And so people are consumers. And so they benefit from low prices. And, you know, as long as nobody has to spend too much on it, that's a system that benefit, benefits com 
consumers. And then there are others that stick to that consumer focus, but take more of an expansive view and say that music's essentially entertainment and consumers benefit when it's as cheap as possible. But you also want them to have lots of choices. And so it's like the toothpaste style. Consumers benefit from having a bunch of varieties of different kinds of toothpaste that they can choose from and innovative new toothpaste technologies that clean their teeth better. And then there's this other school of thought that says the public is more than just consumers, they're citizens. And so citizens have needs for community. Citizens have uh, a need for a sense of belonging and or meaning and identity. They need more than just products. And music can be more than just a product. It's an Im- important cultural practice that you participate in. Participation has public benefit that goes way beyond entertainment. Music is like a space where values are forged and community and uh, connections are made and unheard voices can be made heard. Music has this unique ability to communicate something important about shared experience, both within particular communities and um, across different kinds of communities. And when you think about that, the shortcomings of the sort of market-based consumerist approach to, to thinking about the public interest starts to become clear. And so you instead get start to get definitions of the public interest that emphasize access and diversity and decentralization and making sure that everybody can be uh, an audience member. Um, there can still be problems, though, if those notions of the public interest don't also engage with the issues of equity and sustainability and particularly power disparities and how they impact music, music workers, uh, especially. Most of the techno-utopian public interest thinking of the 2000s um, idealized this notion of the commons, uh, but tended to brush aside impacts on workers and producers. And that sort of set the stage for some of the extractive business models that we're all grappling with right now. And so now we have this opportunity to move towards a more mature and progressive understanding of the public interest that allows us to think of citizens in, in embedded in communities in this more holistic way um, and understand that citizens are occupying both the role of audience and of creator. And rather than balancing the public interest against the interests of music creators and music communities, we can see them as intimately and intrinsically bound together and work for policies that reflect that reality. And let me sort of bridge into the seeing that part at the end there, right? So I would contest that a lot of it is the fact that things were not seen before, that we were somewhat broken in many different parts in terms of systemic issues, equity, economics for artists, and the narrative tended to be a hero-based, fabulous a community activist or a, a, an artist working alone with almost none of the network seen. And I know that you all are working in the network demystifying space, helping people see all of this. Is this a progression that we can now amplify further coming out of the pandemic so that we continue to see all of this and that it's not just a monetary band-aid? That's, I mean, how do we keep music to be seen and considered and continuing to be a richness here instead of the, ah, venues are open, we are fixed, et cetera? How do, how do we continue to have this complex space where our artists barely know to get signed up with a PRO and sound exchange. Um, how do we how do we make this a visible, tangible 
tactile, talkable space? You know, this this isn't a, a direct answer, but one of the initiatives that I think really came to mind as, as you were framing your question, just thinking about the this when what we see on the surface and what's underneath that what we see is maybe this one genius or this one policy that sort of emerges at exactly the right time when what's beyond that and behind that is maybe many many years of setting the groundwork of doing the community organizing of building the relationships and it's you know it's sort of being extremely prepared so that one is able or a group is able to kind of seize an opportunity Um, because last summer in Berlin, I think there was quite a lot of conversation and controversy even about open air events that subtract festivals, subtract clubs that were closed. And all of a sudden, um, you know, there's quite a lot of pressure on public spaces and the general practice of kind of spontaneous open air events in the city um, all of a sudden was really coming into conflict of how do we negotiate between sort of silent versus sonic recreation, as it were. Um, And so I think what really jumped into the conversation was Berlin Club Commission has been doing workshops with open-air organizers for years of roundtables of trying to build sort of good practice to make sure people are thinking about leaving no trace and being mindful of their neighbors where they're choosing spaces and sort of doing that um, almost apprenticeship or stewardship of the scene. Um, And that enabled some initial conversations with policymakers that I think may not have been possible otherwise. And, you know, I, I do think as I was looking at the, the brief, this, all these questions for this panel, um, thinking about, but where, where music takes place in public spaces and how we um, negotiate that and how we make more of those public spaces possible, which I know is such a, a big thing and a big question in Los Angeles, for example, um, that it's, it's not, solely about saving spaces, which it is, but it's also about how do we integrate this into new places in the urban fabric? You know, interesting to listen to this conversation and thank you. It's about understanding, right, and perspective and and being able to, everybody wants the space that they're in to thrive, right? And music, I think the pandemic, if nothing, well, there's so many others, One of the things that the pandemic has done, I think, for all of us is to recognize, A, very tangibly, the size of the industry, right? And that when musicians are unable to perform, there's a musician who's missing an opportunity to make a living, to do the thing that they love, to create community. And we we all keep craving this. Yeah, so Gigi, yeah, yay, we can go back to venues. Excellent, but let's take the lesson from this about A, how much our community supports this larger, greater, whatever it is, consumer or um, community advocate. And um, I think that there's good opportunity and there has been reflection. So now let's put it to action, right? We've had to all in this crazy, busy industry had an opportunity to have these types of conversations and understand and take the time to learn what's happening at the policy level and what's happening within community and in the industry. And so commit now, do it. We've done the reflection and now let's implement some of the work. And um, I love the work of the MLC and really, of course, I'm going to be biased, but like going into those spaces of getting young people to understand a this is how you can utilize your creativity to support your community and yourself. This is how um, you can enter this industry in a thoughtful way. And for 
for it to be really something that's possible. And so we start to understand the financial impact that the music industry has and the um, opportunities that are created. So I, I think we just have to put into place all the stuff we've been talking about and baby step and stumble and get back up if we have to, but let's just keep moving. We, I think nobody is going to have the ability to go back to what, what it was. So we have just a few minutes left. And so um, this panel is supposed to be looking out 2022 to 2025. And we all have a hard time looking out three, four, five, six months. And we, you know, we put a lot of question marks now out to 2022. If the genie gave you a wish, what would you want to see in terms of continuing change over the next three years? And I'll start with mine to kind of move the conversation into it. I want y'all to meet each other. I mean, to me, this is this is my wish for why we created Amplify a year ago and why we have Amplify now is that we kept running into great people who each were doing their fabulous work in the world and couldn't see necessarily um, the missing stories, the work they were doing. And again, I'm in, I've been inspired by the Future of Music Coalition and the fact that they were in many ways trying to do a lot of this, you know, back in 2012 and before in helping us see each other and see the conversation and see what was happening. Um, so I'm going to hand my wish baton over to Kevin. What is your magic wand wish of what you would like to see if you were looking out three years into what you would like to see activated? Oh, boy. <laughs> I guess like there, I mean, there's so many things, but I think that I would start with, I'm going to ask you to come back to me. I'm going to think on this a little. Okay. I will come back to you. Laura, Diana, would you like to pick, I was going to say maybe the talking stick instead of the, the magic wand, pass you the, the talking stick. Sure. I'll dive in. Um, I, I think that one of the things this year has taught us so much um, was about the, the precarity of so much of this industry and I think it also highlighted some real big equity issues of who can afford to be in music or who can afford to be in nightlife. And so I have a wish that, you know, in, in looking into this crystal ball and if I can wave my magic wand, um, that, that more people instead of fewer feel that they have the safety net and the resources to enter this industry and to, to take that risk. Um, because I, I do think that when we look at the, the way things were, you know, this year has exposed, year and a half has exposed um, so many things that were untenable. And I do feel inspired when I look at the mutual aid funds, the government funding models, um, just even the discussions that are beginning. And so I, I do hope looking to the future that those things come to fruition. And this, this feels like an industry with a lower barrier to entry, whether it's wanting to start a venue, whether it's wanting to build a career as an artist and, and so on. And I'll pass it to Laura now. Thanks, Diana. Yeah, I, I think I if I had a magic wand, similar to you, Gigi, right? It's like I keep meeting these amazing people doing amazing things in education. And I see these people doing these great things and amazing things within the industry. And I see people that are advocating and, and if we could just get them into a space, right? Like I wish somebody were in this space right now listening to these conversations and just being able to have a, 
a recognition and some some movement in how we structure organizationally, whether it be in the private sector or in education, so that the way that we define being part of the music industry becomes different different and better understood by all that consensus right that diana was speaking about and that we continue to invest in uh, opportunities for professionals to share and, and be part of that workforce development like that thriving workforce development i don't want to say pipeline but i'm making the movement right like that pathway for the young people i'll i'll try and go quickly yeah I, I think I think it's sort of it's it's the 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 need to now that we understand that some of these old illusions have fallen away, the the need to sort of invest in that connective tissue and the infrastructure approach to it, looking at these things not just through the lens of isolated projects and like either from a philanthropic or an or entrepreneurial perspective, but instead looking to evaluate these things on an infrastructural level and asking on, a, uh, um, on every level, like how well is this infrastructure serving the diversity of, of practitioners and serving communities? And, and to the extent that we see these problems, solving them, trying to solve them through an infrastructure lens. Well, thanks for listening to Amplify Music Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and come back to listen to our other podcast episodes, either following us in your favorite podcast player or at amplifymusic.org or even on YouTube. And you can find a way to sign up for our email list and join our various groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We'd like to thank the Institute of International Business at the University of Colorado, Denver, who sponsors this podcast series, as well as the conference sponsors, Mia, UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, Ben Zugel, Tully, and Lyric Find. We've had great support putting this conference together this year, and we look forward to continuing these conversations with you through this podcast. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.